to the show. It's the Mark and Mark podcast. I'm your sports editor, Mark Podolsky, on this snowy, miserable, seven-degree day in late December, and you are? I'm entertainment editor Mark Mazoris, and I remember seeing seven as the projected temperature, and I thought, ah, oh, it's going to be another just blissful day in Northeast Ohio. <laughs> well, just to get the take, we're, we're recording this now in Willoughby. I live in Lyndhurst. I, I compared it to leaving Lyndhurst, getting on 271, driving into Lake County was like entering the twilight zone. It was surreal. Whiteout conditions. I mean, it's drivable. You just gotta be take. You gotta take your time. And I wonder if it kind of mirrors the feeling you might be or you might have today if you're a Browns fan preparing for this weekend. This whole season's been a whiteout. Well, it now like, we're gonna get into. We're this is gonna be a football heavy um, show. We're gonna get into a little bit of pop culture at the end with some last Jedi spoilers, but. And first of all, everybody out there, hope you had a great Christmas and hope you have a safe and fun New Year's coming up. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday. It'll be, it'll be posted on uh, Thursday, which will be December 29th. No, 28th, right? 28th, right. So the Browns are 0-15. They lost to the Bears last week. Uh, if you were a Mitchell Trubisky fan, hoping the Browns took him, it, it had to be a little rough watching that especially if you wanted to see him in a Browns uniform. Um, but the reality is the Browns are 0-15. The Steelers have something to play for if they want the number one overall seed. They need to, they need to win, and they need the Patriots to lose. There's been rumblings out of Pittsburgh that Mike, Coach Mike Tomlin could could bench his guys, I don't know, you for need, the entire game or for part of the game. The, but you need the Patriots to lose at home to the Jets. Like, it's the longest of long oh, shots. I, no, look, I understand that, but I mean... Like I said, what if, what if we, I don't see what, the Steelers playing that whole game. I, I think the Browns no. have a, a crack of a shot. All I know is last year oh, I know. they played with every starter out of that game at Pittsburgh, and they still lost in overtime. I, I said a crack. There's a sliver. No shot whatsoever. That's all. I think I think they'll play them maybe a quarter and a half, a half. You know, they already don't. They they already don't have. Oh, the Browns ton- will only be down seventeen nothing by then. <laughs> they already shot. don't have. Um, Antonio Brown, which will help the Browns, but they got Le'Veon Bell, they got Juju Smith-Schuster, they got talent all over that field on offense. We'll see if Big Ben plays. That'll be interesting. But so the Browns are 0-15. If they lose, they're the second team in the history of the NFL to go 0-16 to 2008 Lions. How are you going to feel? Is this will, will this be the lowest of lows in the history of your Browns fandom? For someone who didn't expect them to win a lot the last two years and was kind of okay with the idea of losing a lot of games in the interest of draft picks, I hate it. I hate 0-16. I never wanted 0-16. You can never get that off your – I mean, even I think the Lions are still living with that. It, yeah, I mean, you still bring them up. You yeah. know, uh, it's embarrassing. And I thought everyone with their projections for this year was were ridiculous. I heard a lot of, like – Six and ten. I thought the more realistic projections I heard were five and eleven, but you'd even hear like they're gonna win seven. Right. I thought they'd win three. Right. But like there's a big difference between three and zero. Like right. I was wrong by three games and I was right. about the most negative person right. around. So Isn't it's it amazing a, how it's you how you can be worse than the previous year when you were one and fifteen? <laughs> no, and I don't exactly think the team is worse. Oh, I think you're absolutely I don't know. No, I think I think you think this team's better than last year? There's probably Whew. more there's probably more talent throughout the roster than there was last year. You've developed some guys. Last Man. year you cut it to the bone and you had one draft full of young people. I mean, people. this is a regime that cut DeMario Davis 
They just let our AD or Cutter let him go. I think they traded him back to the Jets for this guy is like something. This guy, I read a story online. He's one of the, like statistically, he's one of the best linebackers in the league this year. Lead, he's like top three or four in the in the NFL in tackles. People are like, you know, just marveling over this guy's resurgence. They just let this guy walk away. Yep. Joe Hayden, we don't need you anymore, buddy. We're we're fine without you. You know, all you know, Mitchell Schwartz gone with. VFA, you see Alex Mack gone, all these, I mean, I, I don't know how you can, they've gutted this thing to embarrassing proportions. And people are raving about, oh, you're 100 million under the cap. Are they going to spend this money? Who's gonna, Who wants to come here? Did you, are you reading the reports Josh Rosen might, might, might stay in school to avoid being drafted by like, the look, Browns? I never like reading those reports, but those reports come out all the time. They ultimately mean nothing. You know, Miles Garrett made a video, oh, please, Cowboys take me. He's here. Like, that ends up being a lot of smoke and not fire, if you ask me. Like, well, no, I I will disagree with you on that. A quarterback holds a lot more bargaining at the at the table than a defensive end does, and history proves that. You got John Elway in the '80s with the Colts refusing not to play. Right. Eli Manning gets drafted by the Chargers. I mean, who doesn't want to play in San Diego? <laughs> that one never made sense. I know, to me. and you know, and I think his father Archie kind of was. Kind of orchestrating that. So you're seeing, you're talking about two legit. And I'm not saying Josh Rosen is going to be the number one overall pick. He might be. So I mean, you know how this plays out. I mean, look, I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm saying, but it, it, as it, I've gotten older, I've worried less about player X in college making a big stink or these rumors. No, I I agree. And there's also the Bo Jackson factor when he got drafted by the to Tampa Bay Bucks. And he never played it down with Tampa Bay, it, so they, it could certainly happen. I'm just not too worried about that. You know, you you got you've got a respected GM in there now. My guess is, and we can get into that. My guess is they're going to be a new coach. You know, that might change the players' right. opinion. No, there's just a lot of time between. Now I and agree, then. but I guess in the, the sister. But it doesn't look great in the situation they're in right now. I mean, how can it look appealing to anybody? No, I agree with that. Especially a kid coming from California. <laughs> you know what I mean? To play in, in, again, though, if you're a Browns fan, I, I do think there's you do have all that money under the cap, you do have the draft picks, you right. do have an experienced football man yeah. now guiding the ship. Right. There is reason for optimism. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's the Browns, and somehow they'll be cursed, and nothing will work out. But like, they are in a good position moving forward. I think. Yeah, we'll see. You know, and this this uh, Texans pick, boy, oh boy, it's it's looking golden right now. I mean, it's looking pretty good. They lose again. I think they still guarantee or solidify. I think a top four or five position in the draft, which means the Browns having the first overall pick. They, by the way, you should be you should have thrown a party after last week. They clinched the number one overall pick. You've got to be happy right now, Mark. I want the number one overall pick. I don't want to be 0 16. My my worlds are at odds here. I don't know what to tell you. You you love these picks, man. Do anything and everything you can Look, to get these picks. Come draft day, I'll be happy with one and five. Like so, I mean, if you know, we've seen these mock drafts to give us say Darnold or Rosen and then Barkley, Barkley from Penn State yeah. at five. I'm not gonna mind that. I know running taking a running back early can bite you, but like you tell me, the fan base won't be fired up if those two I've, if those are the. I've two heard picks. a lot of these experts saying this guy is the best player in the draft. You hear you hear people say Barkley. I'm talking about right. You hear State. people say Barkley are the best running back, uh, the best pro prospect since uh, Adrian Peterson. Yeah, now, that's a high thing to live up to. We've seen running backs right. flame out, Trent Richardson. Um, but well, the new trend is getting these guys that can be a morph. You can morph them into a running back slash receiver. I mean, Le- Le'Veon Bell is the great example. Right. I mean, you watch the Steelers play with him. I mean, he can do anything. He can. You you 
set him out wide. He can run a slant and get you 25 right. yards. It's amazing. Heck, I like what Duke Johnson gives the Brown. I mean, he's probably my yeah. favorite Brown. I mean, he's not big enough though. He's just no, not big he's enough. not a superstar. I just really like him. I like the effort you see. I like the skill set. Yeah. I mean, he full of a team of guys that just frustrate you all the time. He never frustrates me. I like right. Duke Johnson. You know, it's interesting that you bring up going potentially quarterback, running back in that first part of the oh segue first yeah we're gonna segue into a column i wrote for monday's editions and on the website at newsherald.com and morningjournal.com uh yeah i'm sitting there watching sunday following the games and you know i'm seeing trubisky play well and i mean look trubisky you know i think he's gonna be a real solid quarterback he didn't look fantastic he didn't blow up you know you know and he didn't blow it up in, at, at soldier field but it was a rough day to throw the ball he ran the ball really well, I thought, and he picked his spots. But I just think he looked good. He threw the ball sharp. He was moving on the run. It just looks like he looks like a confident guy who knows what he's doing and doesn't make the mistakes. And and really, that's what you got to do when you're a young quarterback if you want to if you want to develop. Because what's the worst thing that's happened to this Sean Kaiser? He's made mistakes, and his confidence has to be just completely shot. I mean, I think even. Duke Johnson was saying that in a very candid. Did you read those comments last week? I didn't. He basically said this guy's confidence is shot. It's. I mean, so when that happens to you as a rookie, you know who who you know who knows what happens in terms of how long that stays with you. So, and I'm also while I'm watching the Browns, I'm watching tracking what you know Kareem Hunt's doing with the Chiefs, and my gosh, this guy is 13 yards away from winning the NFL rushing title. Which is going to be interesting because Hunt, Todd Gurley from the Rams, and Le'Veon Bell are one, two, three in the NFL. They're they're separated by I think t- ten or eleven yards, or twelve, thirteen. I don't something like that. All three have clinched playoff spots. All three teams might not play their starters very yeah. long. Yeah, I think it's going to be the winner of this rushing title may, might be who plays the longest. If, if if it were an even if all teams were playing and all things were equal, I think my money be on Gurley. He has he's had an amazing scene right. season. Excuse <clears throat> me, but you cannot you can't not be impressed by Kareem Hunt and the rookie season he's put up. You know, kind of hit a little bit the wall. I think you have you Mid- know middle season came yeah. out of the came out of the gates like gangbusters and then kind of middle season. But man, yeah. he'd look good in a Browns uniform. Twelve hundred ninety two yards, averaging like almost five yards a carry, ten touchdowns. He's got like close to fifty receptions, and so you sit there and you think to yourself. You know, you can make the argument about taking Trubisky number one. He went number two overall. You know, and if you, but if you want to play, you know, the devil's advocate game and say, well, why don't you just take Garrett at, you know, one and then trade up to try to get Trubisky? It wouldn't have worked out that way. So if you wanted Trubisky, you either had to take him one or trade up to two, which I don't think they were going to do. I guess the better argument maybe that you mentioned before the show would have been take Garrett one. Watson at twelve, Deshaun Watson at twelve, and I, I understand. I understand your argument, third. but if I could read, yeah, if I could rewrite history, that's that's how I would do it. I'd still take Garrett. You know, he had the consensus overall pick. The Browns got him. Has he just lit the world on fire? No, but I think he's shown promise, and I think yeah. he'll be fine. Um, but to to trade out of that pick with and like I'm captain draft trade, you know that right. to trade out of that pick where you got Watson, right? Uh, you scoop him up, and then maybe you get. Uh, you get uh, Hunt later. Right. That would have been a draft. I think it's interesting to, to kind of project or, or think, you know, who who will be the best quarterback of this draft? Will it be Trubisky or will it be Watson or will it be somebody else? I don't know. If Mahomes, the guy the Chiefs took, 
Yeah, we all want to, you know, make these instant judgments. We still don't know. Right. But Watson looked fantastic. Well, he looked fantastic. Fanta- I mean, he looked great, but I think he has a lot more to work with. There's no question. And with Houston, with the that, receivers that's that got... To, to play devil's advocate on your whole Trubisky theory, I mean, Trubisky might have been... We might have drafted him. The Browns might have drafted him. Number one overall. He's in there all year with this supporting cast, and now he has no confidence. Right. And they're it, a train No, right. absolutely. It could and easily look, happen. Just because, and, and, you know, the thing with... Same with Watson. Or, and I think the thing with Hunt, too, you know... Who knows where Hunt might have fit into this rotation because he still had Crowell. You know, he might have been a guy that maybe only got five or six carries a game. So, you know, he may not. My guess is he would have unseated Crowell, but (laughs) we'll see. Not the world's biggest. I mean, he did fall into a great situation with Kansas City. I mean, you feel bad for the starter they had there. I can't even, gosh, I can't remember his name. He got hurt in the. Do you remember his? Who was this? Oh, I'll think of it. Yeah. So they got that Chikandrick West. Was he the starter? No, he wasn't. He was the backup. So. Their starter gets hurt. Hunt comes in there and then yeah, lights right. the world on fire. So it was a perfect set of circumstances. And Andy Reid knows how to use offensive play right. things. And, and and then I think the thing that helps that helped that has helped Trubisky, and I do think Jeff Shadell, our, our our pro sports writer, has mentioned this quite a bit. I think the Browns made a colossal mistake not keeping some sort of veteran quarterback on this team, whether it was McCown. Or going some when you got a hundred million in, in in cap space, why not go get someone off the street or get someone through a trade, or someone and sign them to just you know maybe whatever the veteran kind of scale is out there, so so to speak, backup. Just get someone in here who could help these guys. I, I think they like the idea that. Um, uh, Cody Kessler could teach Deshaun Kaiser everything he knew in an afternoon. And you're saying that with a straight face. <laughs> that was impressive. Now, I'm just saying, you know, like, you, you know, the Bears had Mike Lennon, and they started him for the first four games, and they brought Trubisky in, in the fifth game. I mean, they brought him in slowly. That's a, that's a good plan, you know. Like, don't throw the world at him At the same time, I really wouldn't mind. I mean, we all think the Browns are finally going to draft a guy number one overall. I wouldn't mind if, if if Deshaun Kaiser's your backup. I think there's a place for Deshaun Kaiser in this league. I think he's got the athlete. Well, now he's got the experience. And 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 look, right? If if he, he wouldn't be a bad guy to have. He's been through the trials of, of a rookie year now. He knows what it's all about. Yeah. I think he could help the next guy that's coming in here. I don't think there's any doubt that he is not going to be the quarterback on this team. He might be the guy that starts the next the first three or four games. It's possible. That might be interesting. Like, they, if that happens, what if he lights it up next year? Hey, that'd be a, that'd be a great problem to have. I'll sign up for that right. right now. But it's just interesting how the Browns could have had potentially, whether you're in Trubisky camp or Watson camp, plus a Hunt, a Kareem Hunt, and you could have had your future backfield. And you know, the guy they took in the third round was Larry Ogunjobi, defensive tackle from. Uh, you want to see Charlie? And he's just, you know, he's been okay though, right? I, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I mean, you're looking at a defensive tackle in the third round to save your season. That's not going to happen, right? I'm just, you know, I, you know, and, and people are always like, oh, you know, you just, I've been accused of like, all oh, you care about is a quarterback and all these. Well, if you want to win this league, you got to have these players, right? You but it also isn't that simple. But I, I understand right. that. But I mean, when they're there, just staring you at the face, in the face. But before we move off the Browns, and I don't, I, I just have to ask you gut feeling or whatever you is is Hugh Jackson back here next year there are only six no because up are you asking what my opinion is no, no, or what, is, you, what you, think you think will happen I think there's a chance he's back I'd give it about 50 50 they've obviously publicly said he'll be back which but there's I, a lot of which I didn't understand that but I 
My, I think you just didn't want the distraction, and now you the, can make it. You can always go back on yeah, what you said. Right. I, I would say right now I'd give it 50-50. If it was me, I would be like, sorry, we, we can't bring a quarterback or a coach back who's one in 31. I mean, you just can't. If uh, I wanted to keep him, and these last few weeks have kind of changed my mind, it's hard for me to believe that John Dorsey's. I know that John Dorsey can't just unilaterally get rid of him, but I, I, I just, it's hard for me to imagine John Dorsey's not going to go to. Uh, is that your opinion, or what do you think is going to happen? I'm predicting. I think. My prediction is that Dorsey's going to go to um, drawing a blank on our fearless owner, Haslam. Jimmy Haslam. Say, like, we got to make a change. And then, God willing, we won't bring in Jeff Fisher. That's my biggest fear. I guess my thing is, like, does one win? Like, if they win that game in Pittsburgh, does that really – I mean, would you keep him then? Does that really make a difference? Like, really? What I keep thinking about is the games that Dorsey has witnessed since he's been the general manager. You choke away a win you should have had in Green Bay, and then you've just been really disappointing. Really disappointing. I mean, I don't think it's any different from before he got here. They've just been bad, bad, bad. I don't know. You should have been competitive against the Bears, and you really weren't. Oh. No, there's I mean, like, once they scored that second touchdown. Why isn't Kaiser running for those kind of first downs that Trubisky is that are breaking the Browns back? That was, you know, I, that, that guy. I thought it was a bad coaching job. You know, I, I remember Brian Kelly, Notre Dame coach, basically say, saying, like, this guy made a huge mistake coming out. He's not ready. And I tell you what, you know, you got to give Kelly some credit. I mean, I this agree. Just, I, he just does not make good decisions. I, I, love the, I love the athletic skill set and the size and, and all that kind of stuff. And another year of seasoning in college would have helped that kid. If you can't make decisions, and that, and I'll get, and I'll, I'll go back to Trubisky. I mean, Trubisky just just he just doesn't go out there and make these critical boneheaded mistakes. No, he's pretty boring to watch sometimes because he plays that. But that's way. how. That's, and they that's, put him in those. That's situations. winning formula in the in the NFL these days. Half the battle, well, especially is when to, you're learning. Yeah, half the battle. I mean, I don't think he can do that mistakes. his whole career and win a Super Bowl. Oh, absolutely not. You know. I mean, you know, look, I'm telling you, right? By the time next year rolls around, they're going to get a couple more guys. And re- I think fi- you'd be happy with the development year of Mitchell Trubisky if you were a Bears fan. Absolutely. So. I mean, they went four or five games. I mean, it's they haven't been awful. I mean, he hasn't been awful, and he's had some really bright spots. And um, it's just disheartening if you're a Browns fan. You, you know, wondering when. You're gonna get your franchise quarterback seeing these guys continuously going and 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 I, look, I'm gonna say this and I I mean this to my my heart it has nothing to do with the, they're from Lake County. I just think that these two guys are really talented and can really help your football team and I mean it's just a bonus that they're from Cleveland and they they could have helped you but hey that's life sometimes right? It is. Let's move on to the college game. It's going to be a huge weekend. We mentioned Shaquan Barkley. If you're a college football fan, he'll be in action on Saturday at 4 o'clock in the Fiesta Bowl against Washington. That should be a really good game. But the really the big one before the college football playoff on Monday is Friday night. Got the whole night to themselves. The big game in the Cotton Bowl. Ohio State versus USC. I am I am jacked for this game. And here and just to 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 segue out of the Browns. Here we are another year in a row where the um, the Buckeyes are playing the possible uh, future Browns quarterback. We we the Buckeyes played Watson last year. That's right. Got owned by Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I don't know if there was any clamoring about. Well, this guy might be the top pick, and they should be look at him. Oh, I, I think, mean, I was watching him all year because well, he was I think rumored people, to be the top quarterback. No, I don't think he was. I mean, he was in the discussion. Yeah, he was one think, of the guys. I'm but not... I never felt that I 
I don't think there was any discussion that he was going to be the number one overall pick. Well, not by the time the draft rolled around. But I still think even in the college, no, he. I don't think it's he not was, how I remember it. But fine, you know, who knows? But I, I know I was keeping tabs on him all years. I thought he yeah. was a potential future Browns quarterback. Right. Um, and he he just owned the Buckeyes. Not I, the, I don't think there's that fever like if if you're watching this game on Friday and you're a Browns fan. I mean, I think and I think that was what was disappointing if you're a Browns fan because UCLA played last night. Um, in the I can't remember the name of the bowl. I think it was in Phoenix, and Josh Rosen from UCLA didn't play. He wasn't cleared, and that was I think it was a that was very disappointing. I would have been really nice to kind of study him and analyze him. I've seen a few of his games this year, but um, I've managed to totally miss him. I've seen a bunch of Darnold, he's but very I have not good. seen. But Rosen. I think uh, if you're a Buck, if you're a Browns fan, it's gonna be interesting. Um, obviously, if you're a Buckeyes fan, which people around around here obviously are. You're gonna be rooting for the Buckeyes, but I mean, you want to. I think you want to see if you're a Browns fan, you want to see this guy do well, Darnell. Then I tell you what, man, he is fun too. If you have not seen him play, do yourself a favor. I think he's gonna have a good game. I don't know if he'll light up the Buckeyes. Buckeyes got a pretty good. Defense. He's up and down. He'll make some bad decisions, but yeah. he'll make some. He'll make some great plays too. I mean, I think the more I've studied USC this year, I mean, they've had a lot of issues on the offensive line, a lot of injuries, young receivers. And look, when you're at USC, that's not an excuse. You should have great talent all across the board. But it is a reality. I don't think he had nearly the offensive help he had last year when he stepped in um, off the bench, I think, in their third game last year. What, what are some of, are you going to watch the Cotton Bowl on Friday? Yeah, for sure. What are, what are some of the things you'll be, you're going to be watching? I mean, Darnold? Honestly, that's my kind of my biggest interest. Uh, you know, because the Buckeyes can't win at all. I certainly want the Buckeyes to win. I want the Buckeyes to look great. Anything we can follow, you know, guys going into next year. Um, I want to see this offense finally just be consistent and put together a nice effort. But I, I do want to watch Darnold, you know? I know. And it's those mixed feelings. It's like, I want to see this, you know, the, the Browns have the number one pick. I know. So it's the silver lining. If he does light up the Buckeyes, uh, he probably come. I don't care what he says. He yeah. probably comes out and the Browns probably take him. And, and, you know, I think this is a reality. I don't think it's fair. But I think sometimes these, these final impressions – have a big impact on draft positioning. I do too. I remember when Troy Smith was coming out, people were like, there was a, there was a buzz generating about him, not as a first round pick, but fairly high. Like maybe I'm six, sorry about who? Troy Smith. Yeah, yeah. In 2006, with you know Ohio State, the Heisman winner, when he was coming out, there there was some buzz about him maybe being like a second day pick, second third round. He I, I think he I don't even mind sure if he got drafted. I think he was a sixth round pick at the at best. I think he got drafted, but I yeah, think and wrong. like, and, but remember how horrible he was in that that last game against Florida. Well, there was all that talk that he hit the buffet circuit after yeah. the Heisman and everything. You know? So, I mean, and I, I think the big thing, I'm always fascinated with these bowl games that quote unquote mean nothing. Who, who, like, who has the advantage? Because it's always about who wants to be there, who who and who, who is motivated to prove to whoever. Um, you know, you see that in these bowl games all the time. Like, this team looks like they, have, they want no part of this game and no part of this trip. This is interesting because, you know, if you're a kid, I mean, who doesn't want to play at Jerry's World? Oh, yeah. I mean, that thing is the most spectacular stadium in, in the country, maybe the world. And, you know, in terms of the motivation factor, I don't know who I'm going to favor in this one. And I mean, forgive me Both for... teams are conference champions. Both teams just missed out on the playoffs. I'm not sure. And, you know, he's been with us for so long. But, I mean, this Barrett? will be the last game of JT Barrett. Yeah, I, you yeah. can't, I, I hope he goes out with a bang. Like, yeah, I, you so know, do I. He, he's had some, in the last couple of years, I think he's had some up and down times. For the most part, if you step back, and especially early in his career, I love watching this kid play quarterback. I root for that kid. 
So I, I'd love to see him have a good uh, last game with the Buckeyes. You know, and, you know, last year, my gosh, that game they had against Clemson in the championship semifinals. I mean, that was talk way about to make stinker. my New Year's Eve. I mean, that was that, you talk about. That was one of the most. Do you remember at a party, we're all just sitting there like, oh, great. <laughs> I know. I'm glad those games aren't New Year's this. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I hope. I just hope. I hope I see like a 38-35 kind of game. Just teams playing well and you know getting your bang for your buck. I mean, this is the kind of game that. Honestly, I as much as I enjoy sitting in my living room and having a pizza and having a cold one, I, I would this game would be fun to be at. I think. Yeah. Especially if we had real nice seats. I'm assuming Zeke Elliott will be there with the crop top. Or, there you uh, go. You know. That was the, the last time. Remember the last time we were at, they were at this game was in Oregon. Oh, okay. Remember that? I don't, but I'm terrible memory. Come on, 2014 national champions. Oh yeah, yeah. That was just on the internet on Big Ten Network. Oh, it's a good watch. Um, the next uh, three days after um. The Ohio State USC game. We got real quick college football playoffs semifinals. First game, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Pasadena. That'll be an interesting sight. I mean, I feel like that should be the better of the two games. My, no? One of the fair things on every year for me is watch sitting on my couch watching the Rose Bowl, and it's like a blizzard outside. It's just God. You just you just feel so. I don't know why it just gets you going. I love that. You love your traditions. I just love it. I love that that crossover with the F16 and. Who do you like in that game? Georgia, Oklahoma. It's going to be the offense, the passing of Baker Mayfield versus that tough defense of Georgia. I would say Georgia. See, I'm going with Georgia too. I would. I, I guess my head says Georgia, but I feel like every time you count Baker Mayfield out, man, he just he, he's fun to watch. So. I tell you what, that guy. I go is, Georgia, but I'm not. Confident. I think he's. I mean, he won the Heisman. This is going to be really stupid to say on the surface, but I think he's one of the most underrated players around. This guy's been in the playoffs. He was in the playoffs two years ago. They just missed out last year. This guy has experience, but they, you know, they 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 played Clemson in the championship game or just the semifinals two years ago. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I like that defense a lot. They got two great running backs, but I, I gotta give Georgia a sled edge. Who do you like in the nightcap? It's a rematch again, Clemson, Alabama. It's always hard to bet against Alabama, but man, Clemson the last couple of years has just been so tough. I, I I gotta go Clemson. I'm going upset. I'm going Alabama. Yeah. I just think if you give Nick Saban this much time, they've been very. As long as it doesn't come down to their kicking game, they'll be fine. <laughs> they've been really, really banged up on defense, and they're supposed to get a lot of these guys back. We'll see. You know, and it's they got these two quarterbacks, Bryant from Clemson, Jalen Hurts from Alabama. Not really noted. They're not Baker Mayfield types, so we'll see. Maybe the guy who doesn't make makes the least mistakes might win this game. It'd be hard to it'd be hard to confidently bet on either of these games because I I think right. they could both go either way. I think that's a great two pack of games. I think that's gonna be a tight game too. Like I could see it being like a 21, 15, 14 game, twenty to seventeen kind of game. I'm gonna say Georgia Alabama. That's the game everybody everybody kind of wanted. Georgia Alabama in the SEC championship game. Of course, Bama loses to Auburn. Right. That knocked them out. So it kind of cool to see that game. Um, but I think it's gonna be a fun weekend of football. I think if you're, like, if you're, I always like think about these casual uh, Browns college football slash college football fans. This is your weekend, man. Like you can see your potential quarterback on Friday. You can see your potential running back on Saturday in Barkley, and then you got these great games on on Monday night. So agreed. So let's get into a little pop culture. We finally are in the both are, are both on the same page with the last Jedi. Meaning I saw it. Well, last time we talked about it, you were the only one who saw it. Right, and we should say now, if you still haven't seen it and you want to be fresh, just turn this off. 
who are you if you haven't seen this movie yet? Who are you that you'd be invested in? Uh, yeah, I know. But uh, so let's get into some spoilers. Uh, so you texted me right after seeing it and saying like near perfect Star Wars movie. Loved it. I still pretty strongly disagree with that. But uh, I did see it a second time. I like it a little more. It, it sort of like solidified my opinions. The stuff I liked, I liked a little more. And the stuff I didn't like still didn't resonate with me. Um, and it's hard to say, we, I might have said this before. It's hard to say, there's, I sort of have problems with this movie on two different levels. There's the movie critic in me that thinks it has movie problems. And then there's the Star Wars nerd in me that thinks it has disappointing aspects from a Star Wars standpoint. So, But you tell me why you just loved it. Well, I mean, you're talking to a guy who saw the original movie, Star Wars. It's not called. It wasn't called New Hope back then. It was just called Star Wars. Back in your day, it was called Star Wars. So I was seven years old. I mean, it's it's really about going back to my youth. I mean, so to me, it was about. I finally got to see Luke Skywalker. You know, granted, he was in the final scene of The Force Awakens for about one minute, two minutes. Just to just to kind of go back to see that character in action again, one more time. He hasn't been on screen as Luke Skywalker in a in a quote unquote role right. since 1983's Return of the Jedi. So that you know that's all the you know 30, 33, 34 years. I'm 47 years old, so I'd waited 34 years for that. So basically, I got what I wanted. I got my fill, and I just thought it was an interesting story. Look, if you pull back the layers. The story is not that strong. It's it's a little weak. Like, just basically, they're just they're just chasing these ships. It made no sense. Like this big destroyer ship is chasing this smaller rebel ship, and it like oh, I thought it was we, a clever it, idea that didn't pay off it, with great drama. It didn't really work for me. And right. Like I could see why people would be like. This, what is going on? This is basically just some stupid it was kind of heady, space chase. It was pretty. He- I know Star Wars is a sci-fi franchise, but it was kind of a heady sci-fi idea to throw in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, what I mean, it's just, it, it just, it almost felt like a Star Trek kind of. Yeah. You know, Star Trek is more heavy on the actual science fiction. A little more cerebral. Right. Whereas Star Wars is more of the fantasy aspect right. of it. So, um, but it was, it was, look, it was about Luke Skywalker. I love Ray. I thought she kind of took a little step back in terms of her character arc and her performance as an actress, Daisy Ridley in this in this role. But just Kylo Ren hit the chords I wanted to see. I thought that dynamic between her and Ray, um, or him and Ray, I love that whole cross galaxy force interaction. Their dynamic that was interesting. Their dynamic was my second favorite aspect of the movie. Yeah, like it wasn't perfect, but it was pretty well done. Right. I cared about the two of them. Um, it was tricky because uh, I think they wanted to give you a hint of romance, but we still didn't know until late, if we're to take them at their word, that she's not related to him. No. So you sort of didn't know how to feel about things as they were yeah. going on. But I think they're going for more of the romance right. thing than you know a brotherly, yeah. sisterly kind of thing. You know, I've seen this movie twice now, and the second time was more enjoyable in, in one respect because in terms of the spoiler aspect... I kept waiting and waiting. Okay, when are they going to reveal this this parents issue with Ray? And you're waiting and waiting, and you don't want to miss it. And I think my mind was just so consumed. Okay, when's it coming? When's it coming? Because you just you could have really it could have popped up anywhere. Luke could have said it real quick, as we found out. Kylo Ren tells her, and we get that moment where she falls into that dark dark side pit. 
on the island, which which was, didn't do a thing for me. It's kind of weird. I like, okay, I'm here. It is here. It is. And I'm like, okay, this. It, they wanted to try to do. I call little, it the cave of a thousand rays. Yeah, and they kind of wanted to try to do that. Empire Strikes Back, Dagobah cave, right. and it just didn't have any kind of payout at I all. I agree. And so you and and the way you got it, the payoff or the reveal was a little. It didn't. Agreed. It, it wasn't like I think. I don't know if they were trying to do this, but it just didn't have like that that seminal moment where Darth Vader tells Luke. I mean, it's just will go down in film history a hundred years from now. Like the way he tells him he's his father, and even when you watch it today, after you've seen it maybe fifty or a hundred times, it still kind of hits you. Like you just, it's just that pinnacle moment in the film. It is so well constructed and directed. It it still hits you, like you said. Yeah, and and this one was like, huh? Okay, your parents were. Drunks who just sold so, you off for money. So this is more of the Star Wars complaint of mine. But like, whether you like, so J.J. Abrams directs and co-writes the first movie, the the first of these new movies, right. The Force Awakens. And a big part of the J.J. Abrams blueprint is the they call it the mystery box. And J.J. likes to give you these riddles and leaves you like whether it's the beginning of Lost or this movie or whatever. He wants you. Oh, what's going on with this? What is that? So basically, what does that Force dream mean? Who are her parents? Who is Snoke? We're left with all these questions. And then I think Ryan Johnson, who I really like as a film director, uh, filmmaker, you know, came in as the writer and director. And he seemed like to me he had a lot of freedom because I think you can't tell me that the plan from the beginning was uh, the way it unfolded in this one where like, yeah, your parents were nobody. Uh, who cares what's, who cares who Snoke is? I, and I think a lot of people who don't like the J.J. Abrams mystery box thing appreciated that. Like, these aren't the important things. Right. I can see that point of view. That is not my point of view. I wanted cool answers to these things that you hyped up. Yeah. So I felt like, I felt like the reveal of her parents and the just ignoring of Snoke, uh, I thought that was a huge letdown from a, I'm a Star Wars fan invested in this new well, trilogy standpoint. Were you, were you more upset or disappointed with the delivery or the, or the, or the answer? I actually think, as for the delivery, I like I like Adam Driver's performance in that scene a lot. So I like when he says they're nobody and they traded you for drinking money or whatever. So I don't know that I hate the delivery. I don't think it's a great iconic moment, right. like Darth Vader. And but I I think the idea that they're just these junkers doesn't fit with that first movie. You see her. I've watched that Force Dream a bunch of times. She, you see her as a little girl, and she's looking up at a ship going away. That we're led to believe as film viewers that those are her parents flying away. That does not make no, sense. No, I never got that sense. I don't know how you can read it anymore. Oh, else. you mean oh, you mean in the flashback? Yeah, in her dream. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. looks to me like like this way, girl, and you see she's looking up at that ship. Right. And you're led to believe someone, that those are her parents. Yeah. Or right. people who or dropped someone, her off. Or people yeah. who dropped her off. And like this is like, ah, they were just junkers from Jakku. Yeah, I guess that... I feel like it betrayed... I feel like we were really... Like, yeah. You know, and again, my whole theory was that she was connected to Obi-Wan Kenobi because you hear two different versions of his voice in that Force dream. Yeah. I'm like, oh, apparently that was nothing. Right. I just find it like a big letdown. Um, yeah, I, well, I, I... My thing would be like, I don't think... I don't think they led us to believe anything. I don't know if there was any fewer, there are few clues here and there. I think the fact that she well, obviously they're red. They don't mean anything if we're to be, if we're led to believe that we were given the truth in this. Well, movie. you wonder. Okay, she touched. She when she the moment she touches Luke's lightsaber in Force Awakens, it tr- it's obviously triggered some Force element inside her. Now, are you led? Are you are you meant to believe that because she touched Luke's lightsaber it triggered these memories of luke and darth vader and obi-wan kenobi and kylo ren because she has some connection to them or just because it's that lightsaber that was owned by 
Anakin and then Luke Skywalker. So like, I don't know how you can say, well, she she was connected with these people because she had these dreams or, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. It could What you, I took from you this could movie take is, it either. You could, I guess you could take it anywhere. What I took from this movie is that Ryan Johnson never would have had that scene and didn't really care for it. And that's fine. But I find it. You mean if he would have directed Force Awakens? Yeah, he would have never done that. He would have never had that uh, scene. I feel maybe. like, in my opinion, I feel like he had a little more of a responsibility to work that in because it was done. I think now they're going back to J.J. Abrams for the final movie in the trilogy. And I feel like this trilogy is going to be a little bit more mishmash and disjointed than I right. hoped. I really, you know, you talk, you heard all about this Lucasfilm story group and they're guiding the story of the overall trilogy. And then it feels to me like Ryan Johnson had a lot of freedom in this movie. And like, that's cool that a filmmaker gets a lot of freedom. But I also think there's a responsibility to make these all work together better. And we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll love the... That's the other problem with this movie that I have. Is it... Talk about The Empire Strikes Back. The way that movie ends, you go, oh my God, I can't wait for the third one. How are they going to get Han back? Right. I can't believe this episode was fine. I left this movie going like, eh, third one. Could, I mean, I guess the thing didn't was, leave me wanting more. Oh, I definitely want more. I mean, my thing would be like, I think we're so married to the Skywalker family tree thing. I think that what they're trying to do is say, we're going to give you what's left of that family tree or whatever you want to call it. But we're, I think what Ryan Johnson did, I think was was awesome. And it's great for the future of the whole Star Wars franchise is to say it was great what that story meant to the fandom. And and, and I think people, if you kept this bloodline going, people would love it. But I think he's saying to – I mean, I wonder if he pitched this idea to Kathleen Kennedy and everybody else at Disney. Like, look, we're going to branch out now. This is going to be separate from – you still got the Kylo Ren factor in there. But I think the threat of this whole movie was – and like like he tells her you're nobody you're no one but it i think it shows that like anybody can have this force power and anyone can lead a rebellion and can help build a re, uh, up a resistance and that's what you saw in this movie i think that was the whole symbol of that child at the end that anybody can can be great and anybody can lead this rebellion. I, I 100% agree with you. I just don't think they really needed to do it that way. I guess it wouldn't have been hard for me to accept that there are other... I just have always thought there were other Force beings out there. I, I just... Uh, we'll see what happens. See, I, think, I, I think it was a brilliant move to say her parents are nobody. I thought, the more I thought about it, I thought this is a really cool way to do it. Now, like you said, I think the execution was a little... wasn't as strong as I mean, it could have been. But when you're talking about a reveal like that, I don't know how it's going to pop. And I would hit. like it to fit better with the force awakens and i feel like it doesn't and that's just how you know yeah i mean that's the problem you get to when you get two directors two directors you know and, and, and well, they were so like i think the biggest difference with luke in the in the first original star wars is that you really had no idea who this kid was and what was going to happen next i mean there isn't i mean when you left the original star wars when you first watched the first original star wars you never said to yourself huh Who's Luke's father? Is he really Darth Vader? But so you come into this Force Awakens, thirty years later, or however many years was was later, and what's your first what's your first thing you're thinking about when you when they tell you nothing about Rey, and you know she's important in some respect, you're all it's it's just your mind is just triggering back to the original. Right, but you know, like she's got to be important. She, I totally someone agree, has to be important. They also play that up in the movie, though. Ma- Maz Kanata says to Han Solo, "Who's the girl?" You know, yeah. they put that in your head. They want you to be wondering about that, and it just doesn't feel to me that this was their answer the whole time. I guess my, I could be wrong. I guess my thing would be like, 
it doesn't mean she's still not important. Just well, she's because, obviously important. She's a super powerful force but I mean, wielder. I, I, I kind of get a sense to you that she would be more important if she was Obi-Wan's granddaughter or Darth Vader's Look, I'm a niece. Look, I'm a sucker for those family connections. I would have... I would have liked them to all tied together. Uh, if they didn't, I just wish I would have felt like, I wish I would think back to The Force Awakens and go like, oh yeah, you know what? That does make sense, but yeah, that's and, not how I feel. And you're and you're right. It probably would have been. It would have popped more. I mean, look, if she would come out and said, you know, Luke is your father, that would have popped. You know, that would have been like, wow. But I think that. They took a chance with this film. Look, I fell in love with my idea that she was a Kenobi and he was a Skywalker, <laughs> and they were gonna we we're gonna have a big another Kenobi Skywalker battle at See? the end of nine. I think that would have been better. That's but, not that's what I'm saying. But back back to like as a movie, I, I just think this movie has so many different parts, and you're just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and jetting from one to another. I just still think it has rhythm problems. I and I think they they have that responsibility to give everyone something to do. I didn't care at almost at all about Finn and Rose going down to the planet with the casino. I, that that it whole thing did very me. little for me. The, I think the coup aboard the rebel ship with Poe and um, Admiral Hodo, Hordo, whatever. Yeah, Admiral Laura Dern. Holdo, right? Yeah. Admiral Laura Dern. Yeah. That was totally unnecessary. It was totally ginned up. They have that construction I can't stand where Laura Dern could have told him the truth the whole time, but doesn't just to withhold information. I like seeing him get all cocky and all riled up. Well, I enjoy his performance. Yeah. But I, I would have liked more the the stuff aboard uh, or the stuff on um, what's it called? Octu, wherever Luke is, yeah. where Ray goes. I felt like that stuff, we had to keep cutting away from it. It never got momentum for me. And to me, that stuff was really important. Um, that all said, I really and I, I didn't like what they did with Mark Hamill that much, or with Luke Skywalker, excuse me. I think it's such a cheap joke to have him throw the lightsaber at the beginning. It's all about defying expectations yeah. and getting a laugh. And I find it very the more I saw it a second time, yeah. I found it really unsatisfying the second time. Well, but what, so what, I, I didn't love what they did with him. I did love Mark Hamill's performance, yeah. especially a second time. It was even yeah. better. He's I don't I don't love the gimmick at the end, even though I think it's clever to have the ghost project the force projection. But he's so good in those scenes. So let me ask you this. If they would have give, if she would have handed him that, that lightsaber, so instead of throwing it over his shoulder, which, you know, it gives you that comic comic relief, if he had just grabbed it and dropped it in front of him, do you think it would have been less? I would have liked that better. I felt like this was trite. It was. It almost, it almost felt a little out of character. Like, okay, what kind of movie am I watching here? Or, but I did. I like the fact that it was just different. They took chances. They they they, they weren't yes, going and that, that is to mainstream me, Star Wars formula. I, I I hope that I don't want them. I hope that I don't like it just because it it did take chances. It was different. I just don't think they. For me, they just didn't nail these things. You know. Did you like that Yoda came back? Eh. That was uh, weird. I thought. I I don't think they needed Yoda. If I think I think Ben might have been because Obi Wan was the, his original mentor. I thought. It would, I thought I wouldn't. Obviously, couldn't do it. You would have had a problem bringing you and McGregor on as or Alan Guinness. Well, because, you couldn't bring. Alan, I'm Alan saying you could have. They did the same thing with Peter Cush. I'm wondering if they. Could've. Yeah, I wouldn't have recommended that. Yeah. I mean, you could do Yoda, and that's why they did Yoda. But having him still treat Luke like he was a kid, I just think, I don't know, felt a little cheap to me. Uh, with with the Supreme Leader Snoke getting sawed in half, and you're you seem like you were really fired up that you didn't get any kind of resolution. To his character, are you? Are it was you still more important up? to me that we got something more about Ray, but I, I think, you know, and they'll probably come up. There'll probably be books and comic books that explain who they Snoke is. They might do is. a prequel. I think you needed some explanation in the movie. I really do. I, I do, and I don't because I do think that. I think this, I think the 
this the Snoke problem was that Kylo Ren is so he's not Darth Vader. I mean, even in the the fan way he's in the fan way that in the way that fans look at him as a character is so true with how Snoke treats him in the movie. You're not Darth Vader. You're you know you got beat by a girl who never picked up a lightsaber. He's weak in terms of the idea of what Darth Vader was about in that original trilogy. He was such a strong villain. It was he was he just exploded off the screen. And so when the Emperor showed us up in Empire and Return of the Jedi, he's just like ruthless, you know, unbelievably bad person. But you never got any kind of idea who this person was, what he was about. So like I'm. Are we upset because we didn't get any kind of resolution on who Snoke is just because Kylo Ren's just not that tough of a, or not that fierce of a villain? Look, it's just, I don't know. I, I just thought you could have had a throwaway line of, of, you know, since I was blah, 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 whatever. Like, anything would have helped me. That said, I like the scenes with Snoke and the motion capture this yeah, time. Yeah, he looked I thought good. he looked great. He was intimidating. That red room, whew. I mean, that was crazy. like a lot of things, it was kind of a repeat of the Emperor. I mean, he's right. got the Crimson Guard and everything, but that whole... That was one of the best sequences where he died, even though you could see it pretty coming pretty early. Um, once they were in the room together, I'm like, Snoke's a goner. I just because it felt <laughs> it felt a lot like Return of the Jedi. Um, but the scene where they fight the Crimson Guard or whatever they're called, not the whatever. Uh, I thought that was great. Um, I just also things that you didn't buy. I didn't buy the um, Adam. Dr- uh, sorry, Kylo Ren. Then you know, turning real bad again. And uh, no, I want to rule the galaxy. It just didn't feel like he was really about that at that point. But it, I felt like to me, they had like a storytelling problem. Well, we still need a big bad villain. Now we got to make it. I wonder him. if he's going like the character is going insane a, a bit. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just not that, I'm not that excited about a third movie where Kylo Ren is the big bad guy because I don't think they've set yeah. him up like that. I just, to me, this movie was about Luke Skywalker getting my fill with that character you know, I gotta tell you, man, I'm still brokenhearted that this guy died, this character died, you know, kind of faded away into the. I would not have killed, like, given that Carrie Fisher passed away, and all the all the talk was that she was gonna have a big presence, Princess Leia was gonna have a big presence in the third movie, which would tell you that she was gonna be key right. in. Um, re- what's the word I want? Not resurrecting Kylo Ren, but bringing him back to the light. Right. Um. So the fact that they can't do that, I was. I can't believe they didn't reshoot the ending, you know, fix yeah. the not have Luke die. But it was a cool, like, I would have never kept him on that planet the whole time. I thought he and Ray would have gone off on some kind of an adventure and he would have been right. more key physically. But if you're going to do what they did, I thought he got a nice grand death. I thought it was kind of touching I just, and cool. When he walks out of that cave to face him, I'm like, it just gave me what I wanted. And I, I, <laughs> I felt like such a fool. I turned to my son, I'm like, Sam, I go get ready for the greatest lightsaber duel in the history of Star Wars. And then they never touch. And then my my son's like, Dad, what the heck were you talking about? It was like the worst one. But it's it really was. It was different. It was cool the way they did it. I mean, I just thought it was cool. I would have never predicted something that again. Ever. I knew something was up because I'm like, did this guy stop off for a haircut on the way? Oh, to, he looked so different. It on was the way so to cool. Yeah. Um, but the it looked like he lost some weight. <laughs> right. He looked great. Yeah. Talk about throwaway. So I didn't love the toss the lightsaber over. My favorite little moment was uh, when Kylo Ren has every weapon firing on him, and he just, and then yeah. he emerges from the smoke and just does that thing with his shoulder. The, oh, that was amazing. Best little touch in the whole movie. Yeah. I loved it. Real quick, because then we'll wrap up because I think we're going long. Um, where do you? Where do you think Star Wars goes from here? I think it could go in literally ten different directions. I think what thing are you talking about? Episode nine or yeah, beyond that? Yeah, episode nine. I think the one thing I think is going to happen for sure 
is I think, you know, this film picks up, th- this film is almost like a two-parter, Force Awakens part one and part two. It really right. played that way. I think they're going to go an extended jump in time, maybe two, three, maybe even five years from when this episode ends. Five years would surprise me, but yeah. I think we'll pick. You'll pick up. I think Leia will have just died off screen right yeah. ahead of that. It'll spur some moment. They'll have time for the resistance to build up. Uh, you know, find some allies and everything. But I'm just not that excited about it. it just no? didn't leave me like dying for the next chapter. I thought, all right. Do you think there's is this is this thing salvageable in your mind? Because you don't seem very happy with the first two installments of this new trilogy. Um, I, I think the first one is is a largely imperfect film, but I think it delivered on the promise. Uh, the second one, I just think is. I think the second one is more bold, it's more artistic, but I just think it misfires a lot, at least for me personally. And the third one will bring, you know, J.J. Abrams will be back. It'll it'll have some more fun, I think. I, I don't know. I'm interested. It, I do like Ryan Johnson, and I admire what he tried to do with this. So I am interested in this new trilogy he's going to help create um, that I think is supposed to have nothing to do with the Skywalkers. That's why I don't think you needed to totally wipe out the Skywalker thing that much this time. But whatever. I'm interested to see where I'm interested to see where Star Wars goes beyond Episode Nine. Really, more than I am in, interested in Episode Nine right now. This film made over just over 200 million over first weekend. I think it was almost a 70% drop. It was the highest drop from week one to week two in the history of Star Wars of the franchise. That's including Rogue One. That's surprising. And I would think Rogue One would have been bigger. This one, it, it was close. Rogue One was. It was like. Rogue One was in the 60s. This one was about 69%. I don't think this has the rewatchability of The Force Awakens. I mean, like, look, I'll buy it on Blu-ray. I've seen it twice in the theater. Yeah. Maybe I'll see it one more time before it's out of theater because I love Star yeah. Wars on the big screen. But you and I both saw The Force Awakens an ungodly amount of times. I'm not going to see this that many times. Well, so do you think it was just because – because I think this this film is very divisive. I mean, with the fans, in, in uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it's got the aggregate score in, well in the 90s. But when you look at the fan meter, it's like – it's it's in that 50, high 50s, low 60s percent, right. which is stunning to me for a Star Wars movie. Um, do you think it's just because this film is so, quote unquote, different from a traditional Star Wars film? Or do, do you think there's more to it? I'd like to think there's more to it, but I do think people, even though they wouldn't say this, I think they do want more of the same. They want it, you know, on some level, we all want those Marvel movies to be like the other Marvel movies, you know. Right. So, um I hope that's not why I have a problem with this film. I like the idea that it's different. I just don't always think it works. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap it up from there. Hope everyone out there has a happy and safe new year. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about Cavs. We have not talked about Cavs for about a month now. Yeah. And they are really... I'm turned, chomping at the proverbial bit they're to really, talk some They've really turned it around. It's, it's really impressive what they're doing. And you know what? Maybe we'll have uh, Isaiah Thomas... With a few games under his belt. I think we will. That'd be very interesting. So, All right, so people want to follow you on Twitter. Where are you at? At Mark Mazoris. I am at Mpoto. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a production of the News Herald in Willoughby, Ohio, part of 21st Century Media and Digital First Media.